Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Thursday, August 13th. S&P futures are essentially unchanged, not doing really much of anything. Europe's major indices are down about 20 to 30 basis points, but keep in mind Europe is still uh, a big outperformer week to date. So the major European indices are still up about 3% week to date. Um, so m- much better than the U.S. has been trading so far this week. Asia generally saw decent price action overnight with a few pockets of softness. Um, so the tenor of news, I would say, is negative this morning, but really not anything that's dramatically altering markets, as um, as I just said, with, with the price action. You know, stocks really are not doing a lot in Europe or the U.S. so far. Um, so just running through some of the important items. On the U.S. fiscal front, negotiations seem as stalemated as ever. It seems that there was even another step back taken over the last 24 hours. So you had Pelosi and Mnuchin spoke yesterday. Um, The commentary coming out of that conversation was as acrimonious as ever. It does not look like a deal is imminent. You have Pelosi saying they are miles apart. Trump at his press conference last night talked about how a deal is not going to happen. Um, I don't read much into that comment, but you know certainly the commentary tone, et cetera, is not very hopeful. You have multiple media reports, including Bloomberg and Politico, just talking about how something is you're not going to see a deal occur in the month of August. Um, you know there is a big kind of overall government budget deadline on on October first. So that could force some type of a compromise that will force the two sides to speak about the budget in general. Um, and then obviously you can you can include into that some stimulus commentary. Um, but you know, again, it's looking like this won't be a, a, an October, an August event rather. Um, you know, again, markets don't seem to mind markets assume they will be a compromise eventually. Um, it's not thought to be an imminent immediate necessity for stocks. You know, I think, um, you have markets that are rallying based on solid earnings, solid economic data, and then obviously fed anticipation. Um, and I think that's actually one of the reasons ironically, why you're not seeing an immediate, um, you know, compromise on fiscal stimulus. There just doesn't seem to be a, there's not a lot of pressure being applied to Washington at the moment. Um, but like I said, I don't think, despite the negativity on the uh, around the fiscal negotiations, it should not really be an, an immediate impact for markets just yet. Uh, as the other component of, my, of, of, of policy, the monetary front, no major news out overnight, still a lot of enthusiasm for that September 16th meeting, a lot of enthusiasm for the shift in inflation guidance to the average versus the discrete uh, 2% target. If anything, you know, investors assume that you know, the more acrimony you see on the fiscal front, the more the Fed is going to have to do. Um, you know, Just keep in mind that before the 16th, we get FOMC minutes on the 19th of August, and then you have obviously Jackson Hole at the end of the month, August 27th to 28th. On the COVID front, again, nothing super incremental. You are seeing, you know, the U.S. had obviously a huge spike in June, July that that declined off the apex in towards the end of July and the opening weeks of August. That is stabilizing a little bit, and you're seeing certain states like California, in particular, um, is certainly kind of heading back up again. Uh, I know, again, markets don't really seem to be minding all that much. There's still a lot of confidence that you are going to see a vaccine by the end of the year. One of the major Candidates, whether it's Oxford, Astra, the Moderna, Pfizer, or Johnson Johnson, one of those will achieve, um, will demonstrate efficacy and safety at, at the phase three trials, and you'll see some type of an approval. Also, I think the market increasingly is comfortable that the economy has figured out a way to cope with the virus, other than you know some some sector sitting right in the epicenter, um, like dine-in restaurants or 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 travel, obviously. Um, you know, I think the the market is comfortable that the economy is able to function now with the pandemic. While you have 
a vaccine on the horizon. I think that's, again, why markets are so comfortable and able to tolerate some troubling COVID headlines. The UK is supposed to update its quarantine list of the the countries that um, travelers would be required to undergo a two-week quarantine. You could see Malta and the Netherlands added today. There was a report in the FT that France possibly could be added, not necessarily today, but possibly in the coming days. So that's definitely something to keep in mind um, if you see that headline hit the tape this morning. Uh, on the economic front, there was not a lot of data. You had Australia had had strong jobs numbers for July. That's really the only major data point out on the economic front. The IEA is cutting its oil demand forecast. This is the first time it's cutting its demand forecast in a few months. And it's citing the increase in COVID cases and the impact that will have on travel, specifically aviation. And you have heard over the last several weeks, a bunch of airlines have talked about how um, you know they had seen a recovery from the April trough. Um, but that really kind of has plateaued and pulled back a little bit over the last several weeks, given the increase in COVID in June and July. So not too shocking that the IEA would not come out um, and cut its oil demand forecast, citing um, the the COVID, uh, citing uh, reduced aviation demand. On the earnings front, um, again, it was negative over the last 12 to 18 hours. So Cisco was a big highlight last night. The July end earnings report, the July end results were fine. It was more the guidance for the October quarter, essentially calling for revenue to be down as much, if not a little bit more than they just posted in July. Um, you definitely got the sense that the CEO, Chuck Roberts, is frustrated with the lack of progress on the COVID front as far as tackling the pandemic. He talked about how there really has not been a lot of improvement in the business environment in the last 90 days. That's definitely um, you know, somewhat of a of a more cautious tone than we've heard from a lot of other companies during the calendar Q2 earnings season. But nevertheless, that's obviously, you know, a huge global company that has a lot of exposure to a lot of different end markets. Um, you know, he did make a distinction as far as his enterprise customers, the largest companies on the planet are all continuing to spend and invest. Um, and act, if anything are accelerating a restructuring of their companies to cope with the pandemic world, the smaller companies that don't have those types of resources, they're um, you know, they're the ones that are really dialing back on spending. That shouldn't really be surprising. Lyft, um, you know, nothing to really get excited about. Rides fell more than anticipated. You know, management, as a lot of companies are doing, are, are really kind of making um, a lot of bullish remarks around linearity, uh, sequential changes off of the April trough, which is great. But, you know, if you have a steep year in year decline in April, um, you know, if you're down 90% in April, you can still increase that uh, you know, several hundred percent sequentially, and still be um, still be suffering enormous year-on-year decline. So, you know, I think that's really kind of the case with Lyft. You had a few more blowups in kind of smidcap momentum software internet stocks. So, Vroom and then Ping are two examples on that front. The European earnings this morning generally negative. So, you're seeing Aegon, Carlsberg, Tyson Krupp are all getting hit pretty hard after their reports. Um, again, doesn't seem to be impacting the broader. Um, you know, the broader market. Just circling back on US earnings, you know, again, as the markets kind of recoup the entire pandemic losses and we're at new highs, we briefly hit new highs yesterday. Um, you know, I think investors are really trying to, you know, it's more and more difficult to justify further gains from these levels. Um, you know, a lot of it has to come down to your multiple assumptions. So the print forecast for 2021 SP earnings is still around 164. That did not change coming out of the Q2 earnings season, despite the magnitude of upside. You definitely have a lot more bulls talking about how 170 or 170 plus number is reasonable. 
You have even some people starting to talk again about a 2021 number, just as again, you try to justify the market at these levels. Um, you know, that is roughly right now, again, I don't think there's a lot of necessarily conviction, but that's roughly in the kind of the mid to upper 180s. And then of course, you know, the multiple we're at now, um, you know, nearly 21 times the print forecast for next year. Um, you know, people think again, you could go up a few more turns on that, given what the Fed, Fed policy, et cetera. But, you know, you are seeing, um, you know, people are, are kind of adjusting that the EPS multiple permutation to justify further gains from these levels. Uh, you had some negative trade headlines out overnight in terms of the EU and US. I really do not think they're terribly incremental at all. Um, but that being said, we did publish last night, Vital Knowledge, um, an extensive guide to the upcoming election. Um, it's up on the website. I have a link to it in this morning's piece also. Just talking about, you know, the, what's the best outcome for equities at this point in time and, and uh, make the case that, you know, Trump has delivered all he can as far as favorable market measures, including obviously tax reform and then some deregulatory measures. Although I think if you kind of really look closely at what occurred on the regulatory front, there has not been any major massive deregulatory actions that have provided an enormous boost to earnings for the market. Um, so I, it's not that, you know, it's, I don't think it's going to be the case that Biden comes in and completely ratchets up regulations to the extent that it weighs hard on earnings. Um, you certainly do have tax risk with Biden, but you have, I think, huge trade risks in a second Trump term. Um, and so I think the best case outcome would be a Republican Senate and then a Biden victory that reduces a lot of your trade risks. And then it could keep the tax increases to a minimum. Um, but I go through that in the piece this morning. For today's session, quickly, it should be very slow. You have jobless claims at 8.30 in the morning. Uh, that's really the big macro event for the U.S. And then AMAT is the only major earnings report after the close. And that is it for today. Thank you for listening.